Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, a trip to the cemetery to find closure gives one family a startling message. A friendly deceased neighbor returns to check on a single mother and her two sons. A night in a haunted hotel to ghost hunt leaves an investigator down about the lack of activity. That is, until he reviews his photos to find something was investigating him as well. And would you tell your loved one it was their time to go if you knew when they were going to die. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Brisky joining you once again. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I am, am doing well. If you knew your loved one was going to die and they didn't know it, would you tell them? No. No? No, nobody needs to know that. Even if you... It'd be a really difficult thing to know for sure. I mean, unless you had, like information from a doctor and i'm assuming this is not like the doctor told me they were going to die it's probably something more paranormal-esque considering the nature of our show yes so could you all could you take that verbatim is is it is it something you could walk away from being 99 percent confident that the ghost or whatever in the story uh or in a situation of the sort is accurate i think in the case that we're going to talk about probably Mm -hmm. so that yeah. Accurate, really. Okay. Well, that's uh, interesting. All right. Yeah. And I would that not one. share that with them. No? Nobody needs to know when exactly they're going to But die. what if you could prevent it, like Final Destination or Back to the Future? No. It's, at least as far as in this story, it's not something that's preventable. Okay. So they pretty much just, they're going to die no matter what. Pretty much. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear about some death. It's coming up just a little bit here at Real Ghost Stories Online. 855. <laughs> It's much better than saying weather next. Like, we're talking about some death next. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, if you have a ghost story, please uh, give us a buzz, 855-853-4802. That's the phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can always write in your story on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you enjoy the show, well, hey, help spread the word, please. Tell your friends about it. Maybe do some sharing on uh, Facebook, Twitter. Pinterest is always a fun place to do some sharing. You uh, you love your Pinterest. I do love my Pinterest. Do you have a ghost board on Pinterest? No. With ghost stories? Haven't done that yet. That'd be interesting. I wonder if... I, I do. I try to share some of them ours out on, on my Pinterest. I didn't even know that that was out there. No, I mean, not many people do. Okay. <laughs> I don't really publicize it. It's, <laughs> it's just kind of there. I just try to get it kind of going. And every once in a while, some other people pin. I don't have a ton of followers. I don't I don't really publicize that it's even there. But uh, pin it on your own, Pinterest. And uh, hopefully we can get more folks to, uh, to to discover the show. That's a great way to discover the show. So, uh, And it's a way to, uh, to help us grow if you enjoy the show. 855-853-4802, our number. Will writes in, hello again, Tony and Jenny. This is Will from Southern Indiana again. To refresh your memory, I wrote in about my job core story, and I believe the story of my grandmother. Can you give us a quick refresher on what those were about? Do you recall? I wish I could, but I don't honestly remember exactly which story it was. We stumped Jenny. After six months, that's pretty good, right? We stumped Jenny. The world is coming to an end. You're usually really good at that. I so know. I don't blame you whatsoever. Congratulations. You are starting to think like me. Thank you. Meaning lack thereof. Oh, great. That's what I strive for. Because <laughs> I'm really horrible. I like You asked me about something we talked about last week, and I'm like, eh. I'm just, I, I don't have short-term memory anymore. <laughs> I hate to see what it's going to be like in like 30 or 40 years from now. 
Yeah, really. <laughs> what did we talk about uh, five minutes ago, Tony? I don't know. Ice cream? I don't know. Uh, all right, so continuing on. Uh, anyway, I was listening to uh, one of your recent stories where you were reading the story from a listener about her experience in a cemetery. And I remembered a story that happened to me, but I forgot until then. Here's what happened to me without too many unneeded details. Several years ago, my cousin was struggling with behavioral issues stemming back to before her father died. And one day, our family, her adoptive related family, decided to take her to the cemetery where her father was put to rest for her to get that proverbial closure. The cemetery was relatively small and, for the most part, really old. Civil War era, for and around that time frame, with the overturned tombstones and such. While we were there, I decided to take some photos, since I was into the ghost-hunting craze back then, and after about 30 minutes, I was time for us to go. But before we did, I snapped a few photos of her and her adoptive mother sitting near the spot where her father was buried. We left, and when we got home, I was excited to see if I got any interesting photos from our outing. Sure enough, I did. Oddly enough, most photos did not turn out to amount to much, but one photo did, and it was the photo I took last before we left. I couldn't read what it said, but above some tombstones, there was writing which looked like it was written in smoke or fog. From what I remember, the best I could describe what it said was, "'Leave us alone,' or "'Go away.'" I no longer have the photo around as it has been lost to time, but this photo still sticks in my head when I remember it. I don't believe this was a message from my deceased uncle or grandmother who was buried in the area. Thank you both for reading my previous story, and I want to commend you two for doing an excellent job this far. Look forward to listening to the newest installment when it's released. I do plan on becoming an EPP whenever my financial situation brightens up. Also, I remember on the same show you mentioned that theater in Los Angeles where there was uh, segregated seating. I remember there was a theater up south of Indianapolis that's gone to disrepair and is haunted especially on their third floor segregated seating area as well. Very interesting. It is very interesting. You know, I I just wonder, <laughs> what would you do if you got that message and you had been to the cemetery and somebody's telling you to get out or go away? I'd probably get away and get out and get would, the hell out of there really quick. Would you ever go back to visit your family, though? Um, You know, I think if I went once, I'd be good. Espe- I mean, especially if it's that distant of family. Okay. You know, you never really. It'd be one thing if it was like my mom or dad. I would brave it out and I would show up again. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's like great, great, great grandparents that you really have no connection to other than you know you are bloodline related to them, uh-huh. um, you know, it, I don't know. I mean, maybe it sounds heartless, but it, there's not that much of an emotional connection there. I mean, of course, you're grateful that they had children and their children had children and their children had children, but. Other than that, I mean, you can't be like, oh, I remember when Grandma used to make grits. You know, it's like, no, not really. Grandma probably looked like a grit uh, before you were (laughs) (laughs) ever even conceived, so. Okay. No, I don't think I would either. In fact, I will admit that my grandparents that are gone, I wasn't particularly close with. Mm -hmm. And I actually haven't been back to visit them since they were buried. Sure. Just because it's, it's ironic, but... They were not the nicest people, and they ended up picking their plots out well into their, like, 60s, and they lived Mm -hmm. for, like, another 20 years. Sure. And then the time frame that that happened, their cemetery where they picked ended up being in a really bad part of town. Yeah. It just really went downhill. It's, like, not even safe (laughs) to go visit. Sure. Unless you just want to be the target of a drive-by. Sure. Well, I mean, and everybody everybody mourns in different ways, and everybody has different ways of dealing with, with death and the death of their loved ones. And, you know, I'm not really... I like going to cemeteries not to visit loved ones. Yeah. I, I like going to them, safe ones, uh, more so for the history of it and just kind of the, the creepy aspect of it somewhat, and especially the older ones, like my favorite Ryanzi back in my hometown where it's just the rolling hills, and I have a lot of fond memories of that sort of a cemetery. Um, you know, ones that look like things from Night of the Living Dead. Those are the cemeteries I enjoy visiting. Um, I don't feel any closer to my grandma by going and visiting her in her shelf that she's in, in the mausoleum. Her shelf? <laughs> she is. She's in you a shelf. You make it sound like she's a book. <laughs> you can check her out uh, oh, every... Oh, gosh. <laughs> you can prop her up in your living room. Uh, but 
I, I, I don't feel any closer to her uh, by going and visiting her where her body is. Okay. You know, I, I feel closer to her by like looking at uh, like the paintings that she's made or like the stuff that she passed down to me. Um, that's how I feel close to her, and just with the memories, not so going and visiting a place that we never really spent much time in when she was alive um, together. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's more so the memories, I think, that and, you know, you know, keeping up traditions and stuff that they taught you. This is just me. Uh-huh. Then, then going and visiting a physical place where their remains sit. That's that's how I feel. I mean, sure. it's different for everybody, right? But I mean, and so I mean, and that's an immediate relative that I was fairly close with. So I'm even less <laughs> inclined to want to go back to a great 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 grandmother or, or something that I really had nothing to do with. Sure, you know, makes sense. It does make sense. So there you go. Okay, that's my long answer to your question. Let's uh, go over to a, uh, another letter. Uh, Simone writes, and back in 2002, I lived in Madison County, West Virginia, or Mason County, West Virginia, on property uh, that was literally six feet from a cemetery. That's neat. <laughs> would you live in a, would you do that? No. If I can see a cemetery, I'm not comfortable. What if you had the most beautiful home? It was wonderful. It had everything you wanted. The big wraparound porch, and the cemetery wasn't really creepy. It was just kind of like in a field nearby. It just depends on how creeped out I get. You could throw a rock and hit a gravestone. That's too close. From the porch. That's not going to happen. Oh, that'd be fun. No. If you looked out the living room window, all you saw were the tombstones in a small church. Oh, that's awesome. What about vacation home? Could we get one like that someday? No. It was out in the country with hardly any neighbors except the one in the cemetery. At 2 a.m., I went to go check on my sons as their two dogs had started to bark a lot. My youngest son had fallen asleep on the couch watching TV. When I went to check on him, I glanced out the living room window and saw a man standing in the cemetery next to one of the stones. I woke my son up and looked back out the window. Now the man was closer to our house and looking at me. When I tell you that every hair on the back of my neck stood up, I'm not exaggerating. So I woke up my other son and told him both to go to my room. By this time, both dogs were trying to jump out the window at him. I called the police, and since we were in the country, they said it might take 20 minutes for them to get to me. The next morning, I know my front door handle was moving like someone was trying to get in. The dogs are still going crazy all this time. Finally, the police got there and looked all around but couldn't find anyone. It had stormed earlier, and they couldn't find any prints in the mud either. About two weeks later, my oldest son came from an after-school activity. His friend's aunt had given him a ride. That's when I learned the man I had seen that night was not living but a ghost. She told me exactly what he looked like, which I had never told anyone, not even my kids. He used to live down the street years ago. She told me he was friends with the family across the street, and their last name was the same as mine. My kids have their dad's last name. She didn't know mine. When I told her, she said, Don't worry, he was probably just checking up on you. You know that feeling when you meet someone and something's off? That they are not very nice? Well, I would rather he left me alone. That's one of the many stories. Love the show and listen all the time. The well-meaning ghost that scares the shit out of you in the meantime? Mm-hmm. I don't... I don't like those. <laughs> it's the well-meaning ghost that scares the shit out of you. I don't have anything to say to that. You should play that theme song every time it shows up. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Complete with uh, jazz hands. <laughs> and then the ghost shows up. <laughs> Boo! Yeah, that's a creepy story. It is. Thanks for writing in. 855-853-4802. Hey, if you haven't already done so, please press subscribe, whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. That little subscribe button, everything has it. Uh, that will get the show sent directly to you as we release them uh, Monday through Friday. And you don't have to search for us every single time you want to find a show. And you'll know exactly what the brand new ones are. It's really convenient. It's neat. And uh, it helps us grow. So please consider doing that. Alyssa writes in, Hey guys, I just listened to you read my story about my grandmother's music box playing on its own and having my hair pulled. I was in a bit of a rush when I wrote in about that. So I thought I'd give you some more details about what was going on in that house. When I was still quite young, I believe there was a young girl about my age that lived in my bedroom. 
I even remember what I thought she looked like. I kind of like having her there, even though I was always a little scared of her. She always seemed to show up when people were fighting in my house, which was quite frequently. But as I got older, I began to feel less comfortable with her being there. I started to think she wasn't a little girl at all, but something disguised as one to make me feel comfortable around it as a child. I believe it was that she filled me with terror that day and pulled my hair, which only makes me believe even more that she was not any sort of positive entity. Anywhere you went in that house, you would get that creepy feeling of being watched and feeling like you were unwelcome. But those feelings were always the strongest in the kitchen, where my parents most often had their fights, and in my bedroom. I can't say for sure, but I think all the negative energy caused by constant fighting in the house may have drawn in something. Not necessarily malevolent, but at least mischievous, or maybe even just a asshole ghost. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. An okay. asshole ghost. My next story for you took place two years ago when I was 18 and still living with my parents in a new house. It was late at night, and by the time I decided to go to bed and everyone else was already asleep, as I was lying in my bed with all the lights off, I got the sudden sensation of spiders crawling under my blankets all over my legs. I'm deathly afraid of spiders, so I ripped off my covers and reached down to smack the spiders off of me, but there was nothing there. Since it was too dark to really see, I started feeling the bed to see if there was really any spiders, but I didn't find anything. I pulled my covers back up, and within moments, I felt spiders on me again. I just laid there not knowing what to do, knowing there were no spiders, and yet feeling them there anyway. It wasn't long before the spider sensation disappeared, and within seconds of them being gone, I saw in the reflection of my TV screen across the room a long, dark shadow pass over my bed, just a few feet above my head. I tried not to panic, telling myself I was seeing things because it was late and I was tired. It was then that I got the feeling that something was standing next to my bed. I was too scared to move at this point. I just wanted it all to be over. It seemed like I could feel whatever it was moving closer to me, and I felt what seemed like a long, bony finger poke me in the arm. It seemed to disappear after that, and I haven't had any real negative experiences since then. Thanks for reading another one of my stories. It's really great to have a place to share these with others and have had similar experiences. All the best, Alyssa. I've heard that if you have a ghost touch you and you know it's a ghost touch you that it feels like cobwebs so I'm thinking maybe that's where the spider type feeling came from. We get that a lot. We do. The cobweb thing. Yeah. I once had a dream that uh, there was a snake in my bed and I woke up still kind of thinking it was real and I flew out of bed. <laughs> when was that? Uh, seven, eight years ago. I was in my apartment in, in town here. Okay. And I remember... Uh, just feeling, I don't know, it was like one of those where it was so vivid, and then you wake up, and then you still think it's there, uh-huh. and I remember jumping out of bed, and then looking around my room, and then suddenly catching myself going, oh, now that was a dream. That's yeah, special. I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> I, I mean, I rarely, I mean, sometimes I'll be like, I'll kick and stuff, like I think I'm running, uh-huh. you know, but I usually, I know it, I, I'm sleeping, and I'm like, oh, that was kind of neat, I'm thinking I'm running, but I'm, I'm still in bed. Um, it's rare that I, I am, like, getting that active okay. to pop out of a dream thinking that. I don't think I've ever done that. When, now, when you're around, I remember... I haven't seen you that. I have seen you prance across the front yard like a little girl when I've yeah. yelled that there's a snake mm-hmm. in the yard. Mm-hmm. You do, like, yeah. this snake dance thing where you it was. just try and not touch the ground at all. It was a snake dance, and it was kind of jazz handy. As My hands, I put them flat, note two. You know, to kind of uh, reduce wind turbulence as I, you know, like really large people do when they, they try and run to, to get wind resistance and they put their hands super flat. It was uh, like you were trying to figure skate on the grass. Well, I didn't know where it was because I, I was over on the side gate and I was locking up the gate and you were over in the driveway, which I can't see you physically from where I'm at because I have to kind of come around the house. And you started yelling, Tony, there's a snake. So... Honestly, I mean, the first thing I'm thinking is it's in the grass, because that's usually where a snake is. Yeah. And the only way to get over to you, to the concrete, is to get through the grass. So I thought, okay, I'm going to have to make some hops and leaps here to get to the concrete. So that's that's where the prancing began. And then I, I made a couple prances, and I made it to the concrete, which happened to be where the snake was, on the concrete. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, and then I took care of it. End of story. 
I helped you kill the snake. I did all the dirty work, and the girls were cheering me on from the car. <laughs> you grabbed the shovel. Hey, we don't need to get what? graphic about what happened to the snake. Why? It was a poisonous snake. I'll it, just it say was, that. It was a... Uh, it was a watermark. Yeah. And so why it was here, I don't know. Because there's no water right by us. No, we've had a lot of rain lately. Yeah. Right and there's time. there's there are lakes in the neighborhood. Sure. So just down the street. So it's not out of the question. Yeah. And it was right by the girls. So yeah. Snake's gone. Mommy fixed it. Daddy pranced. <laughs> and then I did the snake dance after you like, you killed snake, you killed snake. <laughs> and the girls just looked at me like, Are you sure that's our daddy? <laughs> That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Uh, Let's go to a caller. Uh, Hi. Hey guys, this is Sean from Louisiana. I called uh, a few months ago and my story uh, involved a chicken place and some onion rings and I'll let you guys uh, figure out the rest of it. Actually had something I really can't explain uh, happened to me the other day. I don't know if it was paranormal or not, but I'm you know, sharing this. Get your feedback. Uh, my grandmother earlier this week, she's, she's 88. She lives next door to me and she called me about 830 at night and we're having an unusual uh, cold front uh, in Louisiana. It was about 15 degrees that night. She called me at 830 uh, that evening and said, hey, can you come over? and uh, fix my TV. I hit something on it. So of course I go over there, run over there in the 15 degree weather and she had done this before. You know, she's 88, she hit something on the cable box or something and it messes it up, she didn't know how to fix it. So I go over there and I go and I see the cable box is on and I see that everything is working that's in the outlet but I keep trying to turn the TV on and the TV is not working. Uh, so I'll plug it in, plug it out, go manually go push the power button on the TV and nothing. I turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off. Or excuse me, plug it in, plug it out, uh, and nothing. So I said, look, all her TVs are relatively old. Uh, we're talking probably mid-90s. I said, look, you just have an old TV. Uh, try and just chalk it up. I don't think you hit anything. It's just time for a new one. Well, she goes, that's no problem. I, I have two more throughout the house. I said, okay, that's fine. Well, as I'm leaving, I said, well, let me just, you know, make sure your TV, everything's functioning okay. Well, I go in in another part of our house. Everything is working but the TV, which the outlets, the lights, the radio, everything is working but the TV. I said, hmm, one TV, I know they're old, but one TV, you know, breaking is one thing, too. That's 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 kind of odd, all breaking at the same time. Well, then I said, well, let me go check your third one. Lo and behold, the third one, everything but the TV works. I was like, look, I know your TVs are old, but three TVs not working at the same time, that's kind of, it's kind of different. Uh, so I said, I really can't explain, I can't explain it. And I jokingly said to her, I said, oh, the house must be haunted or something. And she just laughed it off. She goes, of course it's not. She goes, oh, but the TV in the den, now this is obviously before it wasn't working today. She goes, oh, it, it, it cuts on from time to time in the middle of the night, turns it off. And I hear voices in it, and, or I hear talking, and it turns right back off, and I go back to sleep. I was like, well, you know, maybe it's sometime. Somebody hit a timer, and they didn't know how to fix it. Strange, but maybe explainable. Uh, she also told me that she hears people calling her name in the middle of the night, now half asleep could be her imagination but all those things mixed together um, I thought was incredibly strange and and to to top it off the next morning she calls me and says I had a nightmare last night I said okay Uh, she said well I had a dream I was in a box I was in a containment box I said oh that's odd she goes and I was crawling on the floor in my box and I said, okay, I'm trying to get out. And she woke up the the next morning in the middle of her room on the floor, uh, wrapped in a prayer shawl. Uh, needless to say, that made for a strange 24 hours. Uh, kind of creepy for me uh, as well, because one, you hate to hear anything like that after your grandmother, but eventually one day, and hopefully not anytime soon, uh, my wife and my family, once my grandmother passes on, are gonna move to that house. Again, I hope it's not anytime soon. Uh, just a quick up to that story. 
three days later, the TV started working again. But all in all, it was a, a strange 24 hours at Grandma's house. So appreciate your show. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Thoughts? I think any one of those things by itself would easily be just, ah, whatever. It's nothing paranormal. But all those things together, I think, are pretty, pretty interesting. It's interesting that she's saying that she's hearing other people talking to her and calling her name. And I don't want to wish any ill will on your grandmother by any means. So I'll, I'll just, I'll tell you what I'm thinking because you asked for what I was thinking. Um, a lot of times that sort of thing seems to happen when folks are getting closer to the end. Well, aren't you just a little ray of sunshine over there? Sunshine! It is. I mean, you do hear that quite a bit, and we have heard that quite a bit on this show. Now, that does not mean that that is the case. It may just mean she has a ghost. Yes. It may mean there is something paranormal going on, uh, which in itself is paranormal when I think that happens sometimes. So, I don't know. I, I the, the TV stuff, though, doesn't necessarily play into that. No. So, so that's where I get a little bit confused. That's why I said specifically hearing people calling your name and... and things of that nature that does that happens you hear that a lot it's a very common story you don't necessarily have electronics malfunctioning around them though not typically so we've heard about like in um assisted living places after people have gone the electronics starting to malfunction like they're trying to still control the tv channel Mm -hmm. from their bed sure um but not like ahead of time. That makes me think there's something more going on than just a loved one calling from the other side, maybe. Not someone just saying, hey, it's almost time. We're, we're getting ready to bring you over. Yeah. It's, it's, there's something else going on, which, which is, can totally happen, being something else other than the end. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's an interesting, interesting story. It is. And I, like I said, I don't want to wish your grandma any ill will by any means, but I'm just giving you what my knowledge is on the subject. What came to your mind? Yeah. So okay. that's that. Uh, 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. That's a good grandson that goes and shows up to help grandma fix the TV. Especially the when you live next door to your grandmother. You're always there to help. That's yeah, awesome. That's a good thing. I mean, I, there's so many stories of people, oh, my grandma's been uh, emailing me for months about this and I finally got over. It's like, no, can you? That would be horrible. You know, being poor grandma, she just wants to watch her programs, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, especially it's probably a, if it's just her in the house, it's a kind of a lonely life. So you kind of have your, your programs to watch. And if you can't watch them, you know, especially if it's a simple fix. Sure. Yeah, so it's it's very, he's a good grandson. Yes. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Uh, Larry writes in, hey, Tony and Jen, my name is Larry, and like Art and Matt, who both have sent letters to you, I am a neighbor of Dave, Barb, Roy, Sue, and especially the ghost child, Sarah. Just to update you, Dave had gotten the flu and was down for New Year's, and the week after, Debbie, my wife, picked up the kids, Roy and Sue, and went back to our house to take care of them while Barb went to work. She was hoping Sarah would come too, but we think she stayed behind to keep an eye on Dave. Debbie did hear Sarah when she brought the kids back, but that is her story. Sarah has been seen in other houses now, but only in daytime, uh, to the houses close to their house, to people she knows, and only on their side of the street. She seems to do this when she wants to thank us or other neighbors for something. My story happened about two years before Dave and Barb moved here. When they moved here, I bet they had no idea they'd moved into a perfect neighborhood for them. Some of us think that Sarah had a lot to do with the choice of the house. Like Dave, I'm a big fan of anything dealing with ghosts or monsters. It doesn't matter if it's fiction, true, or of urban legend status. I love them all. I got into all the ghost monster hunting shows and wanted to do some hunting myself. I don't have any of the fancy equipment that you see on the TV shows, but I do have a recorder and digital camera. On my first outing, I decided to find a haunted hotel room near home and go there by myself. I didn't want to bring anyone who would get frightened and run out, or even worse, laugh and make jokes at what I was doing. I found a good possibility on the internet that uh, was um, only a few hours from my home. This looked perfect in that the ghosts were supposed to be an innkeeper and his wife who enjoyed being host and hostess, and the room rate was in my price range. I made my reservation for the next month in the room thought to be the most haunted, and I was looking forward to my visit. 
When I got there, it was all I imagined. It was an old stage uh, stop along the National Highway and restored back to an old feel with modern conveniences. The room just felt warm and inviting and reminded me of my grandma's house. Everybody working there seemed like they had been looking forward to my stay. It even had a restaurant that had great food and better coffee. After dinner, I went back to my room to get started. Now I had to tell the owner and staff what I was going to do, and all they asked was not to bother the other guests. I don't think I was the first person to investigate. After I got to my room, I pulled out my recorder, camera, and a notebook. I'd write everything down that I saw, what I felt, what pictures were taken, and what I heard in case the recorder failed to pick it up. I started asking questions and left time for an answer, took pictures, and just generally waited for something to happen. I wrote down everything I did. Nothing seemed to happen, and at 4 a.m. I decided to go back to my room and get into bed. In the morning, I got up, had breakfast, packed up my stuff, and headed for home. I was kind of down. Nothing seemed to happen the night before when I got home. I looked at all I had and was kind of surprised to find that there was a picture I had forgotten to write in the notebook. I downloaded the pictures to the computer, then started listening to the recorder. There was nothing other than my voice. I could even hear my movements, but nothing else. I was wondering how I missed a picture and waited until it turned up. When the picture came up, at first I found nothing strange, no shadows, strange mists, or blurs. It was just a picture of my room. It was the one that wasn't written in the notebook. No, it didn't have any ghostly image or floating objects, but when I looked closer, there was a picture of me while I was sleeping. <laughs> just then, I went back to the recorder and went to the point where I turned off the recorder and started it up again. There, after I turned off the recorder in the room, there was a new voice on the recorder of a woman. It said, Gotcha. I know I had locked the door and always put my suitcase in front of the door so I would be awoken if something or someone had a key. The only thing I could think of was the ghost decided to play her own game. This was my one and only ghost hunting adventure. I do have other ghost stories, but never more uh, was I allowed to actively hunt them. It freaked Debbie out, and she was afraid that I might have something evil follow me home. It's funny since she likes Sarah so much as a neighbor, Larry. That's pretty good. A picture of you sleeping. Yeah. You know, that'd be interesting because I think that at first you'd see it, and you'd you'd just be like, okay, this is a normal picture. You have to wait a second. Who took it? Yeah. Yeah. And then the gotcha. That's funny. That's very interesting. Thank you, Larry, for uh, for writing that in. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you'd like more ghost stories, we got our EPP program available, as you probably have heard me talk about before. That's where you uh, can support the show. You keep us on the air. Uh, we do need our EPPs to do just that, to go well into 2015. So if you'd like it to continue and you enjoy the show, please consider becoming an EPP. It's five bucks a month. It's essentially like buying us a cup of coffee. So if you listen to the show, oh, I don't know, at least once a week and you have your hour enjoyment or five hours a week, uh, consider buying us a cup of coffee. The five dollars a month. It's easy to do. And uh, you keep the show on the air. It's simple. It's easy. It's at Real Ghost Stories Online. And we give you a bonus episode, a whole extra episode to enjoy. Right now, there's like 21 bonus episodes going out to you. 21 hours of ignoring everybody around you. It's it, wonderful. Exactly. It's it's a great time, and they're really good stories too. There's a lot of folks have been uh, been saying how much they really do enjoy the EPP episodes up on our message board. Uh, Anna writes in. Before I begin my story. Is it Anna or Anna? How many ends? Two. Anna. Anna. Mm-hmm. If it's Anna, is it what is it? A N A. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Because uh, I'm so used to hearing the frozen Anna right now. That's why. That's A N A. I did not know that. Anna writes in, before I begin my story, I'd like to give you some background information. I'd lived in the same house in Missouri until I was about 11. My birthday is in May, and I moved to my new house in August, but we bought it in July. I was living with my mom because my dad wouldn't have time to take care of me, so I went down to my new house about a week before school started and had to go to daycare. Anyway, at my old house, the summer before I was going to fifth grade, my friend, to keep it anonymous, I'll use the first letter of her name, C, came over a lot that summer, 
and we played a lot outside, so we used my dad's stereo and played music on full blast so we could hear it outside. Then, after a while, the music, which was an Imagine Dragons album, started glitching out and skipping to parts, saying, uh, like, I can't breathe, or I feel cold, or I'm bleeding out, etc. The scary part is we were at my house and it was just us. The next week, and when my dad came home, I asked him if any of his other CDs would glitch. He said no. I checked the CD, and it wasn't scratched at all. I didn't really play it when my parents were home, only when my friend was over. At first, we thought it was her dog that recently died. I believe it was a German Shepherd mixed breed, which could be able to mess with it. After that summer, I don't remember listening to that CD again or using that CD player. I always felt like I was being watched at that house, but that might be uh, just what made me being weird. I forgot to mention earlier that I am an only child, so I play outside with just my dogs a lot. Also, my social studies teacher, who worked in Missouri, calls it Missouri. Ah, and I find it annoying. So do I. I always say Missouri. I say Missouri. Yeah. Uh, being born there, I call it Missouri. Okay, so this person says Missouri, and they're from there. It's it's interesting. Okay, thanks for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to read my experience. Thanks again. Okay, so skipping on a CD isn't necessarily paranormal, but it is very creepy that it only skipped during those particular phrases over and over. It's interesting because it almost kind of reminds me, is that the Dybbuk box? Or not the Dybbuk. Is, it the, is that the Dybbuk box? No. No. What is the thing that does the... Uh, it goes to the picks out words as it scans the radio. Ghost box? Is that what it is? The I don't ghost know. box? I know what you're talking about. I don't remember what it's called, but not a Dybbuk box. Okay. Dybbuk box is something different. The the box that scans and then you can kind of have a conversation almost like a Ouija board and it picks up words and sometimes it makes sense having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what that, that kind of reminded me of. Yeah. So I could see that being along those lines with that story there. I don't know that the, it could have been a dog communicating through human speech, though. The dogs, they thought it was a dog. The dog giving messages? I don't think so. <laughs> you think that ever happens? Is that, that that animals do try to communicate using our language in some way, shape, or form? I don't know. I wonder I, if, if they could use, if they could communicate through one of those boxes. I have heard of dogs that can whimper or make a, a groan a certain way to make it sound like a word and be trained to yeah. do that. I remember one in America's Funniest Home Videos. Really? Years ago. It was like, oh, the dog says hello or I love you or something. Like, yeah. And he was like, oh my gosh, it's worth $10,000. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can train a dog to do a lot of different things, but I don't think it actually knows it's saying I love you. Somebody needs to invent an app for that. A dog app? Pet communicator. <laughs> You just stick it to the animal's head, and then it, it tells you what it's saying. There was something like that in the movie Up, and really? it was really funny, because the dog would get distracted, and he'd always go, squirrel. Well, here's the thought. If we're if there's apps out there that are able to purportedly communicate with the dead, um, and they're able to communicate their thoughts and words through an app, couldn't we use create something that could take the energy from a, a living creature and try and translate what their emotions are into words? No, because they don't use the same language we do. The dead use, essentially, some form of human language. But translate it. Huh? Pet translator app. I'm not joking. I'm wondering if something like this could be done. I mean, you can tell when the dog's happy, when the dog's sad, uh, if it wants something. I mean, it essentially wouldn't be like word for word. It's not going to give you sentences like, hey, today I went and saw some birds. Yeah, that was a really pretty red one. And it would be more like, I'm hungry. Or more so what it's feeling emotionally, if there's some way to sense that and then communicate that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but how... I don't know. (sighs) Okay. I don't know. I'm just asking if it can be done. How about you just train the dog to hit a bell when it's hungry? Hey, that's a good idea. I think Pavlov did that. It'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be fun. Felicia writes in, hello, it's Felicia. I'd like to provide some updates regarding some occurrences that took place after the day my dad and I heard a growl in our basement. 
After that day, the lamp next to my bed would turn uh, itself on, usually in around 5 in the morning. This is the time I wake up to get ready for work. At first, I thought it was an electrical problem. It's an old lamp, after all, so I switched my old lamp with a more recently purchased one. Nothing changed. Then while lying down at n- one night, the sound of uh, someone breathing resonated throughout my room. I spent the next few minutes distracting myself by internet surfing until drowsiness set in. Next morning, I said, I don't mind you turning on the light, but you did kind of freak me out when you were breathing out loud. Do they even need to breathe? If you want to stay in my room, you'll need to follow some rules. One, doesn't breathe. Make any strange noises or throw things or do anything too crazy. Two, do not scare or harass my cat, friends, or relatives because that's just rude. If you can follow these two simple rules, you're welcome to be, in my, to be, to be my roommate. The next few weeks, the light turning on was the only daily occurrence. Unfortunately, I'd also wake up to the uh, glaring light on weekends, too. So I said, thank you for helping me wake up in the morning. I really appreciate it. I do not work weekends, though, and would love to have some extra sleep. The lamp only turned on Monday through Friday afterward until one day it stopped and there were no longer cold spots in my room. My mom asked if my friend was still around and I said, nope, he left. The next morning I heard a voice saying, I'm back. Later on I exchanged the old lamp for one I received as a Christmas gift. It is a knob switch that adjusts the lamp's brightness and for a few days it stayed off. One morning the lamp was switching brightness settings erratically as if it was trying to say, see, I can figure this out. Now we're back to our daily routine. Recently he roams around the house when everyone is up and the atmosphere is lively. One night mom wanted to watch TV but could not find the remote anywhere. After a few minutes searching with dad, they turned around and it was suddenly on the couch. We all watched TV together that night. Finally after a night of drinking and band practice, dad sent me a video mom shot with her phone. It's a very brief clip of Dad playing his stand-up bass while Mom is laughing in the background. Of course, we listened to it on high volume over and over again while laughing. Then I asked, Hey, did you guys have a friend over that night? And he said, No. Why? I responded with, There's a male voice in the background. I wanted to tell him the voice sounded like it came from the same individual that growled in the basement and is currently hanging out in my room, but you can only say so much before hearing someone laugh while saying, Oh, you... I'm going to send the file through Facebook messaging. You may have to turn up the volume a bit, but other than that, the voice sound should be clear. I'd like you to listen to it and give us some feedback regarding what is being said. At the very end of this letter, I inserted what Dad and I had heard. Avoid reading our interpretation before listening to the recording. This way, your interpretation will not be derived from the power of suggestion. The events I will write about next time involve someone who has been around for a while, my grandpa. Thank you for taking the time to read this, and I apologize for how lengthy it is. Have a great day, Felicia. P.S. We heard him say, hey, pretty good. Did you get that audio file? I haven't. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, so it wasn't attached. No, it was sent to us through Facebook, and I haven't found it, so... Let me take a quick gander and see. Okay, Felicia. Dun, dun, dun. Downloading. Okay, let me turn off the other music here. This is going to be a little difficult because it's, it's going to keep looping. And the ow is it looping, if you couldn't gather that without me saying it. Here we go. Okay, here it is again. It's literally like a three-second or one-second clip. Let me turn off the looping once. You can hear that. I heard it. I heard it really clear. Yeah, it sounds like there's a male. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it sounds like there's a man talking. Yep. You hear the the deep rumble of the bass. Uh-huh. I don't get any words out of it, but I get all I get is the It sounds like huh, pretty good. Like what? Huh, pretty good. Okay, I hear it. Yeah. Like good. Like huh, pretty good. Uh-huh. Like the D got cut off on Yeah. This. But you can hear it really distinctly, you can hear the male's voice there. You can. Well, that's creepy. 
<laughs> Thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's our number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to uh, another letter. Uh, this one is coming into us from Jesse. Jesse says, okay, I really don't know how to start this here, but uh, here we go. Every time someone close to me dies, I always know the day before they go. I always have the same dream, but uh, different, you know? It's a dream of all my loved ones in one room that have passed and myself. They see me and they actually talk to me. When I was four or five, my mother's dad died, which is my papa, and I had a dream the day before he passed. It was him in a room with his legs, which was weird because I don't have any memory of him with his legs. He lost them due to his bad case of diabetes. There was also a woman I didn't know with a man. I had no idea who he was. I walked into the room and he turned around and smiled and told me everything was going to be okay and to make sure that my grandma, whom I called uh, Mimao, and her new boyfriend, whom he knew by the name Earl, were always happy. This was weird because she didn't meet Earl until I was 12. When I was 14, he came back to me by myself and told me not to be frightened when Mimao told us the news she had for us the next day and to not cry. The next day, my grandma sat everyone down and told us she had lung cancer and she had been fighting for almost a year but didn't want any of us to worry about her. I had a dream the day before she died and the day after, and I had a dream before my dad's mom, Nana, died. I always wake up and I'm not scared, but I always want to go back to sleep to continue the dream. I just want to get y'all's opinion on this. Thanks. I Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I don't think I would tell the loved ones, hey, I had that dream. You're in the room now. You're going to die. Guess who's in the room? Bring like a Hallmark card. It would probably be, to me, it'd be kind of comforting to not be just blindsided by that, to kind of have a little heads up. Would you tell? Okay, I, I see not telling the actual person. I get you there. That's a little disturbing. But what about uh, like a loved one? Like a, a brother, a sister, a mom, or a dad. As long as it's not the person who's dying. Well, you're already yourself burdened with that information. Would you want to share that? I don't think I'd want to share that with anybody. To, I would just make yeah. sure I would do everything I could to make that last phone call. Not like, hey, you're going to die. I just want you to know I love you. But just say those things that you have been putting off saying. Because we all have those things. Sure. And by the way, you're going to die. That's why I'm telling you everything right now. <laughs> by the way, I had the dream. I'm sending you a creative card. Hope it makes it to you before you kick it. That's great. <laughs> do they still do creative card? Remember creative card? No. Remember those stands that were like at Hallmark and you can make your own greeting card? It was kind of neat because there was like a, it was, it was not like a computer screen. It was a touch screen deal. Uh-huh. And then you could actually watch the card being printed in front of you and it was it was almost kind of like it was like a pen that would come out and it would it was really kind of neat to watch because it would do some graphic work and everything and you could watch it being drawn out no I don't remember those those were fun yeah I always pressed the buttons and my mom yelled at me yeah I could see you pressing all the buttons I loved the touch screen computers when like no because that was such a novelty at one point in time mm-hmm. which is funny because now it's like our children have their own touchscreen computers and we have how many of them around the house and this and that but it was like the gift registry at jc penny was like the only touchscreen computer i could think of and i would just go there just to touch it like oh wow this is amazing i'm touching a tv screen and it's reacting <laughs> now they're everywhere anyhow uh 855-853-4802 is our phone number let's do a call robert in utah hi Hi, Tony. Um, this is Robert again with the third, uh, the last of my stories from the, the depot there in, in Oregon. And I'm sorry, I'm not the most eloquent person out there, but here we go. Okay. So I'm working one night in one of the blocks where we stored mustard. Now, um, this block was, it was separated. It was fenced, had a double fence and cameras and all that other stuff over it. And uh, because there was mustard gas out there. And uh, it was, if you wanted to slough off, this was probably the best post we had out there. Because there was whomever was inside the building on the badge box. And then you had an officer who, it was his job to roam around. There were like 30 igloos um, with, like I said, mustard gas. And in these one ton overpacked containers because 
they leaked sometimes. And uh, and I'd heard at one point, like from like the older guys, that they had all this mustard and stuff just out somewhere, and they would leak, and they put coffee cans under them to catch it, you know. So it was that bad. There were there were places you didn't travel because you knew they were contaminated. But um, they had these in these igloos, and you were in this block, and like I said, it was you and another officer. And because of the way it was set up when you came in, it was it was a pain in the ass to get into. So pretty much if you were out there, nobody came to check on you because they didn't want to go through the hassle of coming in. You know, we had either the, the shift captain or... or down to the sergeant somebody was supposed to check on you but they never did so um if like you wanted to bring your electronics or sleep or whatever that was the place to do it and not get busted but and then the sally port was set up there was a sally port with a double gate for for the trucks you came in the gate was open and then it closed behind you somebody had to go out there and like thoroughly search the vehicle and you were let through a gate, through a turnstile, and then back out, you know, you, you had to exchange your badges. And if you didn't have a badge to get in the area, then you didn't get in. But, um, and then the other gate was open and you were let through. For pedestrians, there was a long walk through a, a fenced area. You were, you were let in through a turnstile. You came in and approached the, the window exchanged your badge and then let through another turnstile and then out through the gate. Um, two people were not allowed to come in in the vehicle. It was one at a time. So again, like I said, it was the process was a pain in the butt. So nobody came out there if they didn't have to. And <clears throat> unless you were good, unless you were in good with uh, the person who did the scheduling, you got that post yeah, maybe once a month, you know, if you were lucky. So I'm out there one night, and surprise, surprise, I had it twice in the same week, which <laughs> never happened. So uh, so I'm out there, and this was my second posting out there that week, and I'm out there. And usually when I'm out there, I listen to the radio and read. I, I like to read. History's my thing. So I like to read. And, and But this night, I brought my computer because I was going to watch a video, not a movie. Um, the little town that I lived in, um, when they put the dams in on the Columbia River in the 1950s, they, they literally moved the town up a little ways, you know. Um, they bought people's houses and moved them out of where it was going to flood. So I, I'd gotten this documentary, and I, I'm going to watch it. So it's about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm watching this thing, and I'm I'm kind of sitting where I can still see, you know, out, see the windows and whatever, and I see I see a head kind of peek around through one of the windows. Just somebody sort of leaned in. Now I hadn't seen my officer who was on patrol. He'd he'd gotten his truck and he went out there and he sort of camped out somewhere for the night, which was fine with me. But um, but anyhow, so I see this head lean in and when I looked up they leaned back and it was kind of right there by the door but still out in out in the chemical area so I pause my documentary and I go out there and you know and I I had to open the little gate by a button there electronic button hit that and but I go outside and I'm looking around and there, there's nobody. In fact, I mean, I was kind of non-pulsed. Um, I stood out there and had a smoke and whatever and just sort of looked around and then didn't see anybody. So about 20 minutes later, I, I come back in there. I settled down, whatever. I'm watching this documentary again. And then I'm watching it. And again, you know, I'm, I'm thinking nothing. And after about 20 minutes or so, I look, and there were two windows to look out, and these were like ballistic windows, you know, thick windows, but you had a couple to look out into the area. And there's there's the form 
nondescript, but just the form of a person standing in one of those windows. And it kind of got my attention. Well, of course, as soon as I see it, they move off in the opposite direction of where they had before. And um, again, I mean, the, the second time, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I saw something. If I hadn't seen it the second time, I probably would have just let it go. And uh, <laughs> there were swallows that were up there. They had nests in the ceilings and whatever, you know, made of mud and all this stuff. But, like, they didn't stir unless you bothered them. They, they didn't stir usually until morning. So there, there was nothing else there. Like I said, this was a secured area, you know. And so we didn't have just wildlife wandering around through there or whatever. But the second time I saw it, I knew I saw something. If I hadn't seen it that second time, I probably would have let it go. And, of course, I couldn't find that person. There was, They weren't there. So this time I did tell, you know, what I saw. And, and oh, and the other one with, uh, with the truck, it did go on the blotter because because it was a chase that ensued and stuff. And Lieutenant told me this was, you know, a couple of years back from this one. But he said, you know, because it's on the blotter, he says, uh, don't be surprised if somebody comes and asks you about it. But no one ever did. So anyhow, this one, I'm I'm telling some of the guys, and I asked my guy who's out there, cause, and I did look out the window. I didn't see his truck or whatever. But And I asked him, hey, uh, did you come up? and stand in the window at about 2.30 or so. And he's like, no, you know, he's, I was out there uh, doing my thing. Never came up until morning. It's like, oh, okay. So I'm asking a few other people if they've seen anything out there. And then you start hearing stories from other people. There, there were people who said that, yeah, that they've seen this. They've seen numerous times that they had seen or they had thought that they saw somebody pass by the windows and go through the turnstiles, which you couldn't do because you had to manually open them from inside. But they saw this person or someone pass through the turnstiles to that area or walking in a different area. When they looked, they weren't there. Um, a lady whom we'd had there and she said she thought she was just going nuts. She said that, that she's in there one night and the the building had been changed when when I was there it was just a square building. You had a door to go into the back and that's where the generator was. But apparently before the building was a lot bigger and longer and where the bathroom to it was now led to a hallway where down at the end of it there was a break room and all this other stuff and which wasn't there anymore so but she says that she's working there one night and she was a reader as well so she's reading and she says an officer comes through in a different type of uniform than, than what we're wearing someone who and she could plainly see this person as opposed to me but because uh, um, I couldn't but she sees a person they come in they look at her go into the bathroom and she said she gets up and she's asking him, you know, hey, who the hell are you? And they're gone. And then, you know, and I heard a couple other things that were that that people had saw in that block. Just most of it, like like with me, was just a nondescript person. They'd see somebody at the window, or there in where the turnstiles were, or something. So I don't know. I mean, nobody ever really knew who it was or what it was or, but the, the stagecoach trail that, that ran through there was real close to that area. And this was the stage line that ran, it ran down to Portland and then somewhere on the depot, there was one that cut off and it went down to the town because back in the 1860s, I'd say there was a, there was a ferry that went across and that was the cutoff to go to Seattle. So you didn't have to go to Portland and cross there. And then in the 1860s, it took people to and from the gold fields of Idaho. But so I don't know if this person was associated with that or what. But okay, so that's the third one. 
and the last for that. And then I have had things happen in houses that I lived in, but I won't get into those today. I just wanted to tell you those three in one coherent, well, one incoherent telling, but all at once, you know. All right, and thanks, thanks for the show, and thanks for what you guys do. All right, and bye. So an otherwise kind of relaxing job to have, I mean, to be on the uh, the duty of going around and checking those buildings and then have that face pop up again. You constantly are afraid that you're going to run into something. Yeah. Not so much a relaxing job anymore. Very active place that he works. Yeah, very much so. And I'm, I have a feeling that's not going to be the, uh, the last of the stories uh, from him. I don't know if he still works there. If it's, no? I don't know if he's if he's telling us stories from his past or okay. or what. But it sounds like it so far. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to see. Very very interesting stuff. Thanks for calling in and sharing your stories with us. If you want more ghost stories, just become an EPP extra podcast person. Get the bonus episodes sent to you every single week. And right now, twenty one episodes going out directly to you as soon as you sign up. It's only five bucks a month for what you pay for a cup of coffee. Keeps our show alive and going. So if you enjoy the show, you spend some hours with it throughout the week, throughout the month. Uh, if it's worth it to you to keep us on the air, please become an EPP. Five bucks a month, get a bunch of extra episodes, and uh, and you keep the uh, the ship afloat. So please consider doing that. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.